we've been, uh, this month, we've been dealing with reaching the next generation. And at my age, there's more and more generations behind me. They just keep popping up the older I get. It's not like I've got one generation to reach. I've got like four generations to reach. You know, there's Z generation, the E generation, the X, whatever, whatever the alphabet has to offer us in generations. And let me tell you that when you're my age, there's some people think, well, when you get older, you can say anything you want to. Well, you can, but you're not going to have any friends. Um, but that doesn't stop many of you. But in reality, it also quiets many of us when it comes to our faith. Because you say, how do I relate to that person? How can now, I'm, some of you are relating to me right now because you're going, he is fashionably dressed for a 66-year-old man. I want you to know if it wasn't for my wife, I would be up here in flip-flops, boot-cut jeans, and a colored T-shirt. That's how she found me. But she didn't leave me that way. <laughs> Every now and then, the blind squirrel finds the right match. So now, as before I come to church, I, I don't even try to match stuff. I just go, trust me. <laughs> and she sets out the right colors. Who said that plaid shirts don't go with striped pants? I don't get it, but... <clears throat> So there's an intimidation, but I want you to know that this isn't just for those of us who are feeling older and, and don't feel like we can relate to the younger people. This, this is true for young people relating to older. There's something about God's word that allows us to relate, that we can go outside, but, but there are some requirements. There's some things that we need to note. So this applies to all of us, if you feel intimidated in any way, if it's just in sharing your story, every one of you who've come to the Lord and have, have found a relationship with him, you have a story that is yours. It's no one else's story. It is your story. And no one knows that story better than we need to tell that story. In fact, the Bible tells us because you're my living, you're my living epistles. You're my story. Tell it. Well, they may not relate. Ha! We're going to see that because what we're going to see is that he speaks my language. I'm going to give it away. The person who comes with the word of the Lord, with the right spirit, speaks that language, the right language, speaks your language, speaks the language that is in need and reveals, it's searching, it's deep. God's word reveals. We'll start with this verse. This is the foundation. It's, there's such strong theology on it. This is Jesus at the well with the woman, the Samaritan woman. And he goes on, and, and in this bit of scripture reveals such truth and deep doctrine. I mean, there's so much about the story, but we're just taking this one part. John chapter four. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. They didn't follow the law. They were Jewish descent that married outside, but they didn't follow the law. He says, you know what? You Samaritans, you worship what you don't know. We worship 
what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. He established, he goes, salvation is coming from the Jews, but it isn't sticking with them. It's just started with it. It's got to come from the Jews. And it, it's, Jesus said, that's me. It says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Hmm. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. Believers today can worship God anywhere and that's what this is saying. It is not, it is not, doesn't have to happen at the temple. It doesn't have to happen at Passover. It doesn't, it can't, it doesn't have to happen in Jerusalem. It is God's looking for that person who worships in spirit and truth because God is spirit. As he just here said that you can worship anywhere, anytime, any place, any people. You see, this, isn't, this is not a, the God for the Jews. It's not the God for the Samaritans. This is not just the God of Americans. It's the God of Africans. It's the God of Europeans. It's the God of Chinese. And no matter what continent, no matter what culture, whatever they, anybody who defines himself, God speaks their language. He meets their needs. He knows because he created you. He knew us before we were formed. How is it that in this, the book we call the Bible, it was, it's 66 books that's been written over 1,800 years. It's been written by kings. It's been written by servants, slaves, men, women, rich, poor. It spoke to all of them. God's word, God's truth speaks your language to the builder he says put everything on a firm foundation hmm that's my language to the carpenter I'm the door to the mason I'm the stone that the builders rejected wow he speaks your language that's the miraculous thing about God's word. You can find something in there that speaks to you for your situation, for your age. And you know what? You can deliver that word. You can share that word with someone in your story that speaks to them, regardless if you're 66. I've, God has put something in me that I can speak to a 15-year-old and they'll relate to what I have to say. They may not relate to me, but they relate to what I've got to say because it's his word. But I have to deliver it in the right spirit and it's the truth. That's God's word. So God, so this is the key to understanding how to reach generations and that is, it's God's language to that generation. 
It's interesting that even in the days in the Old Testament, every generation had a different name for the same God because they experienced him a different way, but it was the same God. Same God. Now, let me just step back. There is something to say about style. There is something to, to say about our style of worship, the way we speak, accents, whatever. Everyone loves Peter. He can say anything and you love him. He goes, oh, he's just Scottish. Um, when I go to Scotland and, I, and I'm speaking American, I say something absolutely horrible to them because it means something different. They go, no, he's just American. You know, so I, I, I get it when I go to Scotland, but he gets it here. Um, there is something to say about style, and even the Bible says it about. And, you know, I'm not saying that style isn't important. It makes people comfortable. There's, there's things you relate with. But until you hear the Lord speak to you in your language, to your need, to your situation, that's the basis. Here, and here's the verse that we love. We, we try to practice here. It says, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save someone. That's great. But that's not the foundation. The foundation is the right spirit with the truth. It, that's God's language to any people group. I've gone to, uh, if it's Ukraine, if it's South America, I can meet somebody and with their broken English and my almost zero Spanish, I can meet somebody that somehow I'm related to like the closest or closer than a brother because we have the same spirit. We have the same hunger and we have a God who speaks our language. He has a God that speaks his language. I have a God that speaks my language and it's the same God. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Everyone here has a story. Everyone here that has a story has heard God speak to you where you're at in your situation. If it was a need, if, if, if it was a cry for help, it was, just, I need to be loved and he loved me. You've heard him speak to you in the language that you could understand at that moment. So, God's word and the right spirit is our foundation in this generation. So I'm going to take just a minute. I'm going to read a scripture. And the wonderful thing about God's word, if it's in your language, God's word can paint pictures. For some of us, it paints pictures. For some of us, it touches something inside of me called my spirit. It soothes me. It gives me comfort. Sometimes it's God's word can give you a challenge. So I want you to get comfortable. I purposely didn't put the verses up here because I want you to hear these words spoken to you. You might want to close your eyes. Some of you may want to just stand up and just say, I receive that word. So Father, I'm just asking your spirit to touch your people. Allow them to see pictures of hope and dreams as I read your word. 
that you speak his language, your language to us. And here's what the Lord has said, Psalms 23. The Lord is, is my shepherd. I shall not want. You provide. He makes me lay down in green pastures. Father, you give us rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, bless your words. We bless you. You blessed us. Speaking in a language that we can understand. Speaking in a language that we hunger and we need to hear. It restores our soul. And we thank you. Amen. Whew. That was tough. Gosh. I wanted you to open up to, there's some of the scriptures we're gonna close in that you allow the Lord to speak your language to you. to nourish you, to feel loved. He speaks our language. He speaks to us in the place of reference to our situation. Wow. Let me give you a story. I uh, used to work at a Christian camp. It's called Windy Gap. It's up in the mountains in North Carolina. And we would bring kids in. Some would come inner cities from Chicago, all, all around the, the east. It's a cr pretty incredible camp. And we would take, we had horses. We'd put people on horses and take them up to the mountains and we'd put them on motorcycles. I was the Honda Wrangler. That was my job. I'd keep all the Hondas running and then take all the kids, you know, never can't even ride a bike, and we're putting on motorized vehicles through the mountains. And so I was, I would be the rabbit. I'm the rabbit. I'd be up front, you know, leading everybody. And the whole idea says, catch the rabbit. If anybody catches a rabbit, you get a cash prize. Of course, my motorcycle is a little souped up, and I know the trail. And then, you know, these, all these kids are, wing, wing, you know, they're, they're screaming, and I'm going, who knows that good looking little girl back there? Where am I? 
mm, I am gone. They go, get him. And so the chase. And then the guy in the back, he was on body pickup. I don't need to describe what his job was. <clears throat> but he would pull people out of barbed wire fences, out of ditches. And we had a couple of them going to a lake. <clears throat> but there was... So there's, every now and then you get a kid that doesn't want to participate. He doesn't want to get on the horses. He doesn't want to do anything of the games. He doesn't want to do anything on the motorcycles. You know, he, he doesn't want to come to the meetings. And I mean, they were productive. I mean, a lot of salvations because during the day, we pretty much scare the hell out of everybody and they're easy to get saved. So <laughs> that hell would just leave them. Um, <clears throat> There was one kid that wouldn't do anything and it just bringing his whole cabin down, his whole tent down. And so he said, you know, they threatened him. They preached salvation to him. They preached hell to him. You know, you're going to burn. You know, they've, they did it all. And so they go, we can't, you're disturbing everybody. Just go down to the Honda barn and get with Mark. That's the last result. So he'd come down, and so I'd help him. You know, we'd rebuild the motorcycles, the ones that would go in the water and the ditch. And, the, and so I'm trying to have him do this. And he didn't want to do anything, you know, anything like that. He just sat there and complained the whole time. And I had just about had it the second day with him. And I said, you are just miserable. You're just a miserable person to be around. Nothing is good. You're making my life miserable. That's tough to do. I said, just go. Just show up for supper and get out of the barn. Well, he left. And he didn't show up for supper. He was gone. And so it's like, we got to go find this kid. And I'm like, I'm, he hung himself in a tree or something. And all of a sudden, he comes walking down this dusty road. And he goes, it all makes sense. I'm sorry. And I'm thinking, was it my tough love? Was it, he takes his little Bible out of his back pocket. He goes, I just said, God, say something. I opened it up on the first page. It said, in the beginning, God, it all makes sense now. (laughs) What? That was his language. There was something that did not match. God did it. He spoke a language that changed this kid's life in that first verse. In the beginning, God. It established who God was and he was good with it. Well, I want to turn from God's truth, his being able to speak our language and I want us to look at what it is to have the right spirit. So true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Like I said, because it's spirit, we can worship anywhere, anytime, any place, any people. But he says, without that right spirit... Let's take a look at what worship means. There's five acts of worship. Singing is worship. That's, oh, what's worship? Oh, we sing and oh, I sense the presence of God. Taking part in the Lord's Supper. But you know, when you pray and you pray for someone, that's worship. You're worshiping the Lord. Giving. 
That's why I like so having the buckets up here during a worship. I know many of you because of convenience, but I've never been on my phone going, ooh, I felt the presence of God. This feels like worship to me. Give, you know. I'm not speaking for, for me. I, first, I'd have to call my son and go, now, how do I do this again? Uh, <laughs> giving, and then the rest is teaching, preaching, or sharing your story as an act of worship. I said, those, because the ones I'm looking for who worship me, when you tell your story, when you give to help somebody, when you give your money to help somebody out, you're worshiping the Lord because it's the Lord's spirit that prompted you to do that. So these are acts of worship. So when we share our story, we're worshiping the Lord. We're giving honor to him, what he's done and the language he has spoken to us in. Here's what's crucial. Just because you do things right, just because you've quoted the scripture correctly does not constitute a right spirit. I did it according to what the Bible said. You can do it in the correct knowledge. My theology is correct. Your spirit stinks. <laughs> well, my biblical understanding far exceeds yours. Wrong spirit. You're wrong. The word of God is the word of God. Wrong spirit, doesn't apply, doesn't work. I mean, haven't, I've been doing this a long time. How many, how many of you had very religious parents and they were trying to manipulate you to clean up your room and they used scripture? Wrong. Wrong spirit is something they wanted you to do and so somehow they're gonna use the Bible. You know, they want you to break up with that boy when he uses scriptures, make you feel guilty, you know, make like you don't love me. Wrong spirit. That is the wrong spirit. When we've corrected people on something they've taught or whatever, and we go, you know, it's like, well, it's just my gifting. That's the gift the Lord gave me. You know, being a butt is not a gift. <laughs> you know, don't blame the Bible because you're a jerk. You know, it's like, well, I just, it's my gift. Even the scriptures tell us this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, that's the right spirit. Love is the right spirit. Having doing something outside of love for my own reasons, for someone else's reasons. Oh, it's time to punish them. You want to get saved today? Okay, first of all, tell me everything you've done wrong and I'll tell you how wrong it is. Yeah, sometimes, why do we have to punish people? But better than that, when we move and when we tell somebody our story and, and, and we share God's truth, then... We've done that right, but then we go ahead and start acting like the Holy Spirit and convict them. That's not our place. We can share God's word and share it in love without making sure they're getting it. I gotta make you feel the conviction of your wrong. We are not the Holy Spirit. We are the living epistle. We're the story. 
We are the story of his love. We're the, restory, we're the story of his redemption. Not the Holy Spirit. You have not loved. I've become sounding brass or clinging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, but have not loved. You've done nothing. You've done nothing. You want to reach generations? Have the truth and the right spirit. Everybody loves a good story with a happy ending. Everyone loves to hear a story with been trials and tribulation that has a good ending because they want a good ending. And there's just a good chance that that story's gonna speak their language. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned, but have not loved, I proffered me nothing. The right spirit. The right spirit is powerful with a language that everybody can understand. That's the beginning of speaking to the next generation. We can all do it. We all have that story. But that right spirit. Whew, that's a tough one. Some of you have voices speaking to you right now said, I can't have that spirit. I'm, I'm this way, I'm that way. I'm. The psalmist was crying out to God because he'd failed just about every way possible. And he'd come to his own understanding. He goes, I don't have it. I know God and I don't have the right heart. I don't have the right spirit. And he cries out, create in me, oh God. Create in me a clean heart. Some of you are saying, I may have it for about 10 minutes. Maybe I can come up with about 10 minutes of clean heart. And then I'm gonna remember that, think of that, hate him, get on I-4. I looked up. I wanted to so say there's something more. So yesterday I looked up in Hebrew. There's something unique about when he said create here. So the other place this Hebrew word is written is in Genesis. That God created something from nothing. That's what this create means. I kind of need the band to come on. He 
anyone identify with that language? Create from nothing to something. God's speaking to you in your language right now because that may be where your need is or your hunger, your desire. Create from nothing to something a clean heart because I just don't have it. Mine keeps failing me. When I heard Kelsey do the song for the workers, for the service, I said, that's it. It's a call to worship and ask God, create in me a clean heart. So for those who want to stand, if some of you want to come to the altar and ask God, create in me something that's not there. Or I keep losing it.